Hello and welcome to the Noob Investing Podcast, Episode 1, Investing Like a Noob. I'm your host, Jaron, and this is a very special episode because this is going to serve as the benchmark for all our subsequent episodes. So think about it like this. As bad as this episode is, it can only get better from here. So I want to first start by introducing myself. Like I said, my name is Jaron, and I'm just a regular dude in my late 20s who recently started investing. I actually just got started during COVID. And with that said, I think it's very important for me to mention that I'm not a financial financial advisor at all. I don't have any background in finance or economy, so whatever you do, don't just blindly follow me, but do your own research or seek professional help from a qualified prof- financial advisor if you want actual fi- advice on what to do uh, with your investments. Now, dear listeners, you are probably wondering, why should you listen to this podcast? What are the goals of this podcast? And most importantly, what's in it for you as a listener of this podcast? Well, I have several goals. First and foremost uh, is that I want to learn more about investing and get better at it as I learn. Uh, I can obviously do this by myself, just by Googling a lot, reading, watching YouTube videos, and just trying to uh, trying out stuff. But I can also share what I do and learn and hopefully encourage people, namely you, your listeners to do the same and in that way we can actually get better at investing together now i am a firm believer in the dissemination of information so that everyone is able to learn and grow and develop and i hope to provide you with some useful insights and information so you can stay up to date with what's going on in out there in the investing world but also that you are equipped with the tools needed to either get started with investing or get better at investing and hell I might say some really dumb shit throughout this podcast, so at the very least, you might get to make fun of me and uh, whenever I'm blatantly wrong about my conclusions or opinions. So in either case, it sounds like a win-win for you, honestly. Just to reiterate, though, uh, this podcast is meant purely for education and entertainment purposes only. I am myself just starting to learn how to invest, and I had no idea where to even start when I started, uh, and I'm sure many people also feel like that and would also like to know more and have some idea of what awaits them once they do get started with investing. So to the noob investors out there, I say welcome, and I hope you find some value in this podcast. And to the more experienced investors, I say welcome as well, and I will rely on you to correct me if I am wrong about something or you think there is something important that needs to be discussed on this podcast. And who knows, maybe I can also be of value to you as well. Whether it's discussing cryptocurrencies in more detail or providing my perspective on the annual reports of a company. Uh, regardless, uh, I plan to tackle quite a few different topics, so we'll see. Now, coming back specifically to the goals of this podcast, like I said, I want to learn and share the information, but I plan to also discuss a wide variety of things on this podcast, among which is uh, information on how to get started with investing. Uh, In addition to that, I'd also like to discuss different asset classes regarding investing, uh, what are the pros and cons of each of them, and what exactly are they. Uh, Simply put, the more information you have, the less likely you are to make a bad investment is how I see it. In addition to that, as you will find out, I mainly invest uh, in stocks, so I do quite a bit of research into the companies and specific sectors if I think something is potentially interesting as an investment. So I might just do an entire podcast episode on individual companies or key players in a specific sector. So also stay tuned for that. 
Furthermore, I think something every noob investor wants is resources. So you have a basis by which you can research the subjects you are interested in uh, in more detail. And that's what I hope to do throughout the entire noob investing podcast, namely provide you with some of the best resources, tools, and links to yeah learn more. At the end of every, every episode, I will... Uh, list some of the best resources I found that helped me get educated on the subject of that specific episode, uh, whether that uh, be real estate investing, buying stocks, or understanding the different cryptocurrencies out there. So you don't have to uh, take my word for it, but you can actually look up the information yourself and also uh, learn more about it. Uh, maybe there's something that was too uh, detailed for that specific podcast that I didn't get into. So you get to, uh, if you're very interested, you can look it up yourself. Lastly, assuming this podcast starts getting some listens and uh, I manage to keep it going consistently in the long run, then I might also try to invite some guests over for interviews or to just discuss a specific subject. Of course, this is a long way away uh, and I'm just still getting started, but I am interested to have people over to discuss uh, what their investment journey has been like, uh, their goals for investing, uh, what their strategy is like, and yeah, how it's been going for them. So with all the plans for this podcast, yeah, let's just see how it all, how it all turns out. Now, dear listeners, thank you for listening to me ramble on about myself and this podcast. But now I think it's finally time to jump into the core of this podcast, namely providing you with the information on investing. So first and foremost, what is investing? So I quickly Googled this. And the first thing that came up was that investing is a verb that means to put uh, between brackets, money into financial schemes, shares, property, or commercial venture uh, with the expectation of achieving a profit. Okay, but what is there to invest in? Well, I think most of, if not all of you, have heard of stocks or shares before. These are, as the name implies, shares of a company. This is ownership of a company. In addition, you also have bonds. These are uh, sort of yeah, safer investment investments than stocks, but historically have uh, provided lower yields than stocks. So I'll probably have an entire episode specifically on that. Um, in addition, we also have real estate investing or commodities like gold or silver or oil, but also more complex derivatives that I definitely don't recommend if you are just uh, starting out and you're just a noob investor still at this stage, like options or futures. And lastly, and also, probably the most recent, uh, we've had the addition of uh, cryptocurrencies as well as an investment option. Also, <laughs> they'll definitely merit an entire episode by itself. So when it comes to investing, it's important to realize the difference between acquiring an asset and acquiring liability. An asset is a financial term for anything that is useful or valuable that can be leveraged in order to store value or increase value over time. Take a house, for example. The house prices have been steadily increasing over the years. So if you own a house, then that is an asset as that you own as you can leverage the increased demand and price of your house and sell your house for, a much, for much more than what you originally bought it for. Hence, asset. On the other hand, though, you also have liabilities. Liabilities effectively means something you are responsible for. Usually, this equates to debt or money. A classic example, example of a liability is a car. Most people don't straight up buy their car in one payment, but instead opt to get a lease on that car. 
So this is a this is a fixed monthly payment that you pay to have access to your car. And on top of that, you also have to pay for all the other things associated with your car, like gas, maintenance, uh, insurance, and also taxes. In short, it's expensive to have a car. And also, a car depreciates in value significantly if you decided eventually to sell your car. Uh, a car is a liability because it only, essentially a car is a liability because it only serves to cost you money, not retain the money that you put into getting it or make you money in the long term. So now that we have defined what assets and liabilities are, you probably get, get that in order to invest, you need to invest in assets and avoid liabilities. So now your goal as an investor is to acquire these assets and have them grow in value. And there are two principles or pillars of investing that uh, work in your favor to help. And those are compound interest and having a long time or long term time horizon. Let's delve into these uh, for a second. So first off is compound interest. So I believe it's Albert Einstein that famously said that compound interest is the most powerful force in the universe. So more specifically, he said compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it and he who doesn't pays it. In simple terms, compound interest refers to the fact that you not only earn interest on your initial investment, but you also earn on the interest that accumulates over a specific period. Basically, if what that comes down to is if you invest 100 euros and you have an interest rate of 10%, then the next year you expect to have earned 10 euros, making your 100 euros into 110 euros. However, in that year then, now you have 110 euros uh, invested. And the next year, you still have a 10% uh, investing uh, interest rate, sorry. So... Now, instead of 10 euros, you're expecting to earn 10% of 110 euros, which means 11 euros. So in that year, you'll have a total of 120 euros instead of just getting 10 euros for that year. So in short, compound interest essentially just works exponentially and not linearly. And unfortunately, it seems many people just don't understand that and often fail to benefit from it. So that's compound interest, but of course, for compound interest to work its magic, you need the second principle of investing, namely time. Because compound interest functions exponentially, the longer you can afford to invest, the more effect of compound interest gets to man the, the more the effect of compound interest gets to manifest itself. Here's an example. Say you invest 1,000 euros at a 10% interest rate because we love simple math here. And just let it do, and you just allow this uh, 1,000 euros to keep growing at a 10% interest rate uh, for the next 40 years. Then it turns out by the end of that 40 year period, at a 10% interest rate, you will have your money from 1,000 euros will equate to 45,259 euros. Now, obviously, this is a very simplified and idealized scenario with without any complications and in real life this is it's not that simple but i think it helps to at least illustrate the potential of both compound interest and time working their magic so just to conclude this part when it comes to investing compounding interest and time are your best friends and you should make the most out of those so with that said now you know essentially a little bit what are the underlying principles of investing 
uh, but why should you start investing? Isn't it, can't you just save up your money? Uh, isn't it risky to invest? Uh, what can I actually expect from investing, you know? Uh, well, let's address these questions. There are several, I would say, main reasons to invest. And these are sort of the main reasons people give because right now it feels like there aren't any really good reasons to not invest, as it were. So first off, you want to invest for your retirement. Eventually, one day, when you reach the age of retirement, who knows how much that will uh, end up being in the next couple of years, and you're done with working and you want to finally stop and just enjoy the rest of your life and relax. For this, however, you will need money to keep paying the bills, though. This is where a pension plan comes in. Unfortunately, however, the statutory uh, age of retirement in the Netherlands, for example, just keeps gradually increasing. So if you had the idea of retiring early and don't have your finances in order to do so, then you simply can't retire. Additionally, the amount that you get from your pension or retirement plan really isn't much to be, uh, to be honest. So you need to have something saved up to compensate it as well, even when you are retiring. This is where investing comes in. With investing, you can put away money when you start working that you don't need and have that money grow when you do decide to retire. Or alternatively, if you decide to retire early, you can live off those investments that you made instead of just relying on your pension or retirement uh, fund. So that's the first reason people consider investing. In order to facilitate retire, in order to facilitate retiring, whether that be the statutory at the statutory age or uh, earlier. The second reason people considering consider investing has to do, and by the way, this, these uh, these reasons are in no particular order, uh, has to do with that there isn't really a better alternative for people's money right now. It used to be possible to simply keep your money on your savings account and get guaranteed save a guaranteed savings rate on that money versus investing, which is perceived to be very risky. But now savings rates are pretty abysmal, actually. Personally, I know for my bank, the savings rate is 0.01% per year. So again, simple math. Basically, I get one euro for every 10,000 euros on my account. But hey, that one euro is guaranteed and it's not risky. So I guess that's something, right? Yeah, no. But seriously, everyone, it doesn't make any sense to save large sums of money on your bank account at these, uh, at these rates anymore. When the alternative is investing, which could be earning you much more if done correctly. The third reason people uh, look to investing, and this is tied to the previous reason to a certain extent, uh, so the previous low uh, savings rate, and that is the inflation rate. For those unaware, unaware of what inflation is, it's one of the fundamental concepts of economics, and without getting bogged down by the technical jargon, it essentially refers to the idea that the price of goods and services you purchase with your money increase over time more and more because more and more uh, money is being made by the federal banks. Over the last couple of years, the inflation rate has been about roughly 2% and the federal banks the federal banks also would like to keep it there. But what this means for you as a consum consumer is that every year the value of your money or the purchasing power of your money drops by 2%. Again, I'm, I'm quite fond of these uh, uh, math examples. So here's a simple illustration of what that actually means. Say you saved up 10,000 euros on your bank account and you want to come back and use that money in 10 years. Remember, savings rate being 0.01%. 
means that in 10 years on that 10,000, uh, you'll earn 10 euros. So after 10 years, you'll have 10,000 and 10 euros. But now we also need to factor in the inflation rate, which is 2% every year, meaning your, that 10,000, 10 euros is effectively depreciating in purchasing power by 2% every year. So if we do the math on that, that base, the formula basically works out to 10,000 and 10 euros times 0.98, because minus 2% every year, to the power 10. After 10 years, what, with 10,000 and 10 euros, you can buy 8,179 euros worth of stuff. That's an almost 20% decrease in the purchasing power of your money over 10 years. Your bank account, of course, will still say it's 10,000 and 10 euros, but since inflation keeps going up, the price of everything that you can buy with that 10,000 and 10 euros is also going up. So everything will just be more expensive. So this is often used as one of the main reasons to invest. And so you can combat the effects of inflation and preserve the value of your money or even increase it if you do it well using compounded interest. These are sort of the main logical reasons why people invest, but there are also people who have some more, yeah, well, lofty reasons for investing, uh, as I hinted at, uh, at one of them a, a little bit earlier. One such reason, reason would be to retire early, potentially much earlier even than the average person uh, does. And this idea of retiring early falls under the umbrella of the well, FIRE movement, actually, which stands for uh, Financially Independent Retire Early. This is a movement which focuses on uh, investing large sums of your income very early on, all while living comfortably under your below your means to become financially independent and be able to retire early. This can mean anything from retiring at, let's say, the age of 60 to retiring very early at the age of 30. But I think I might come back to this in a, as a subject in a later episode to, just to get uh, a little bit more information on this, uh, because there are some investing strategies and factors being used to uh, for by people who are yeah trying to become fired, which I feel are misrepresented or not accounted for uh, by these people, and so I somewhat disagree with the entire with the idea of uh, full fire. But we'll get into that uh, in subsequent episodes. But yeah, that's just one more of the one of those ambitious goals with investing, being able to retire early and be financially independent at a younger age than, yeah, 67, for example. Additionally, you can also have the reason or goal to amass as much wealth as possible through your investments and in doing so, leave behind your family a large portion of that. In essence, you are not only trying to make yourself wealthy, but also your children, for example, and maybe their children as well. This is referred to as generational wealth, and it's exceptionally difficult to obtain and also uh, exceptionally difficult to keep. For me personally, however, um, my reasoning for investment investing, it's a mixture of the lot, the sort of basic uh, technical reasons like inflation and save, bad savings rate. But I do also uh, fall toward the more ambitious goals like potentially trying to retire a bit earlier I'm not necessarily saying I want to retire super early or anything. I don't expect to retire anytime soon. But more that I have that option should I want to win, let's say, 30 years. Then maybe I don't want to keep working till I'm 70, but maybe I can stop at 60. And basically investing just affords me to have that option at that point should I want, should I want to. 
So those are reasons why to invest. Now, when should you start investing? When is the right time to invest? Well, personally, I think back to a quote from, uh, so I'm, a, I, I'm someone who plays Hearthstone, and I always think back to a quote from one specific Hearthstone character called Auction Master Beardo. By the way, Hearthstone is an online card game, and what this character, Auction Master Beardo, always says when you play, play his card is, time is money, friend. That saying also holds true for investing. The longer you, ta- you take to get started with investing, the more money you are leaving at the table, essentially. I know for me that the moment I figured out that investing can be great, my immediate next thought was that I should have gotten started much earlier with this. The reason for thinking this comes back to the principle of uh, the principles of investing, namely compound interest and time. So basically, the earlier you start investing, the more time you give compound interest to work, uh, to work for you, meaning the more money you will make in the long run. I think it's a joke that investors say uh, that the best time to start investing was yesterday and the second best time is right now. And I'm somewhat inclined to agree if you look at how the different asset classes have actually performed, like stocks, for example, have been performing over the last couple of years. It It often feels if you just look at the chart that you've been missing out on that profit this entire time. So yeah, the best time to invest is essentially now. But of course, dear listeners, uh, I know it sounds like I'm just telling you to get started immediately with investing. Uh, What are you waiting for? But I understand, and obviously so should you, that when you start investing, when you're able to start investing will depend heavily on your own personal financial circumstances. It's easy for someone on a podcast to tell you, just start now and just watch your money grow. But if you aren't managing to save money at the end of the month or you can't even afford food on the to have food on the table every day of the month then you probably can't afford to put money aside for years and not touch it investing takes time and money and you should only be investing money that you don't immediately need this sounds easy to some people but it can be very pretty much impossible for others so keep that in mind if you want to get started with investing it helps to first get your finances in order and Know your your budget, essentially. First step will be to see what you are spending your salary on and determine what is necessary and what is not necessary. One example that I often uh, find online is uh, people recommending the 50-30-20 rule of thumb for budgeting. The 50-30-20 rule of thumb is a guideline for allocating your budget accordingly. So basically, 50% of your income, your salary, goes to uh, your needs. Think like housing or uh, food, uh, these kinds of things, electricity bills. 30% goes to wants, whatever, you know, these quality of life things. And the last 20%, you sort of, yeah, these go to your financial goals, whether it be savings or investing. Yeah, like I said, needs are absolutely absolute necessities, like housing. Wants that is very person very specific to you for me personally i like to buy running gear i i like to run i like the shoes for me i just want to spend a little bit of money whenever possible on yeah running gear because it's something that just improves my life as a whole and i'd rather not wait until i'm 60 or 70 to get started with running because i think your health is a great investment in its own right with that said Lastly, is also the 20% uh, towards financial goals. Uh, and this can be either the 
sort of saving up for an emergency fund or putting into investments. Again, this is just a rule of thumb, so it probably doesn't work for everyone, but it is sort of a good guideline, a good reference point to get started with to see, to evaluate how you're spending your money and figuring out exactly what your budget is for certain things, what what are the necessary things in your life, what are the things that you don't want to give up, and yeah, what are sort of the luxuries. And it sort of forces you to put something towards savings or towards investing at least versus not saving or not investing anything. So at least it's a, it's a good reference point. Now, based on everything I've just said, you might think, okay, I need to get started immediately with investing and start with roughly 20% of my income. Well, again, that does depend on you. Like I said, investing takes time. And I think everyone knows that over time, everything starts breaking down or needs repair or replacing. So if you start investing all your money right away and say your washing machine breaks down, then you need that money to fix it. And if you need money, then you need to take that money off. If you've invested that money, then you need to take that money off of your yeah, investments and pay for a washing machine. So by doing this, you never give your investments time to grow. And worse off, you know, you never know when an emergency might happen, like your washing machine just breaks down and you do need to take off that money from your investments. But then COVID happens and the entire stock market crashes. So whatever money you did put towards investments is now, let's say, 50% less. So you thought you still had some money there and then suddenly it's 50% less. That's not what you want to wake up to in the morning. Therefore, it's not a good, it's definitely a bad idea to put all your money into investment. You you should probably have some sort of savings ready at any moment to sort of, this can be uh, your essential, essentially your emergency fund which you can re rely on for any unforeseen circumstances uh, of day-to-day -day life, like your car breaking down or whatever, you know? I actually saw that uh, online, it's usually recommended that people have anywhere between three to six months of living expenses saved up in case of emergencies. But again, this is money that you will not invest at all. These are, this is just money that you'll have on your savings account, for example, that you can readily access to pay for whatever unforeseen circumstance does occur. And most people don't have this. Most people don't think like that. They might have something saved up, but it's definitely nowhere near that. And I understand. I understand this is quite a lot for some people, you know, to just have that kind of money just lying around. Like most people don't, yeah, can't afford to do that. But it does provide you quite a bit of comfort, a little bit of cushion that, uh, you know, if something does go wrong, you're safe, you're secured. And, yeah, it's very relaxing at night to know you have an emergency fund should anything happen. I myself also have an emergency fund, which I don't touch, and it feels good just knowing that I have that uh, in case, you know, a car breaks down, or if my girlfriend's car breaks down, or the washing machine is broken, or whatever, you know, that you can just get it repaired or just get a new one uh, if needed. Although I do have to specify getting a new one refers to the washing machine, not the car definitely not rich enough to casually just get a new car whenever needed just throwing that out there so with that all with that all said you now know what investing is roughly uh why you should invest and when can you get started with investing now i think most people we should probably move on to the most interesting topics for uh topic for the noob investors out there and that is how do you actually get started with investing 
Again, I'm sorry to say this, listeners, but it really just depends. It depends on several factors, which include the amount you want to invest, how long you want to invest for, how how are you at handling risk, and whether you want to manage your portfolio, portfolio actively or passively. Regarding the amount, you can choose to uh, either invest a large sum in one go or invest a bit, for example, every month. It has been shown that the latter strategy, so investing a bit every month, uh, works best as it allows this as this allows you to over time average into an investment at a good price and take advantage of market volatility. Uh, whereas if you were to invest all your money in one go, well, you never know when COVID-19 strikes again and you could be investing the day before the stock market crashes by 20-30% and then, you know, that's, that's going to be an awkward day when you wake up. So basically by investing a little bit when the stock market, you, maybe you start out by investing too high, the stock market goes down, you invest uh, when it's low again, average out to a decent price between high and low, uh, it stays low, you buy low again, you come closer to the low, and so on and so on. This strategy of sort of slowly investing over time into something is called dollar cost averaging. And it's a very, it's a well-proven method for investing. Overall, it basically just uh, helps you invest periodically and uh, reduce the impact of the volatility of your purchases. So instead of being dependent on one single time being the right time to invest, you're independent of that. You just keep investing regardless. For the next factor that determines how to invest, you also have the duration of your investment. Investment. This is something that's very personal as maybe you want to invest for your retirement, but how much do you need to invest and for how long depend on how far away you are from your retirement. Say if you are 60 and you only have six years left until you retire, then you need to invest quite a lot very fast to have a comfortable cushion then by the time you do retire. But on the other hand, if you're 26 and you're planning for your retirement, then you have 40 years to invest. So you can you have a much longer time period uh, and you can afford to just invest smaller amounts over time then. And you can essentially dollar cost average. You take into account the market, the yeah, stock market volatility. So if it does go high or it does go low, you don't really care too much because you have a long time horizon. So it really depends on when you get started with investment investing. Uh, and how long you plan to invest, because the longer, the better, Then usually. So there is no one fixed best duration for your investment, but generally, the longer you can afford to put your money away, the less, yeah, the less you'll need to invest uh, every month to reach a certain amount. And that's generally good. Now to address your risk appetite. Risk is an, is an important factor for investing that some people fail to balance adequately, I would say. Simply put, if there was no risk, there would be no reward for investing, or at the very least, the reward for investing would be considerably lower, more on the level of that 1.0, or sorry, 0.01% of savings rate, because that's a guaranteed amount of money that you will get. That's why it's so, that's such, that's why it's so abysmal, because it's guaranteed. The reason why the stock market or investing in general can offer you a higher interest rate is because there's risk associated with investing. So walking the fine line between underestimating risk and losing a lot of money or overestimating the risk and missing out on very beneficial opportunities is something every investor struggles with. 
and I would say especially noob investors. Investing can be volatile at times, especially concerning the events that we've witnessed over the last year or two, like the start of COVID-19 or the U.S. presidential elections that have had huge impacts on the stock market. So you could just wake up one day and just see that your investments drop by 20% and just shit your pants. So you need to, as an investor, be either comfortable with that knowledge that investing is risky and volatile, or you need to find an investment that works for you, a risk level that works for you. Stocks generally tend to be on the riskier side, but maybe instead of investing in stocks, you can invest in bonds, which are safer. You you buy the bond it for a certain price and you get a fixed value every month, every year or so from that owning that bond. So that's safer. It's often gives you more money. It still gives you more money than a savings account, but much usually it's been it's been underperforming against stocks because it's less risky. So yeah, you need to be able to determine the risk and also either be okay with that or find a risk dealing with the level of risk associated with that product. Because if you can't handle the volatility of that product or that asset, you might be inclined then to make hasty decisions uh, and maybe sell your investment and suffer losses for that decision. An example of this would be if you started investing right before COVID-19 started, you would see that the market crashes by 20 to 30% in late March. If you're very risk adver- uh, adverse, then you might be inclined to panic sell, only to lose out as the market recovered one to two months later. This would be a horrible experience if you just get, got started with investing. This is why you need to yeah, know that investing is risky. You need to know the asset you are investing in and have a plan when investing. And you need to be able to stick to that plan. This is how you combat that risk. You need to, when there is risk, you tend to be the person to get in your own way in some cases. So yeah, have a plan and stick to it, I would say. The last factor is uh, active versus passive management of your portfolio. Basically, this refers to whether you want to be the one to manage your portfolio and make the difficult decisions, or you rather not have to worry about these decisions and just invest regularly. So what are the pros and cons for either investment strategy? Well, active investing basically just means that someone is actively making decisions regarding purchasing assets and the composition of the portfolio. This can be you, but it can also be a financial advisor or a fund manager. Active management, active management generally does cost more money as you either are paying someone to manage your portfolio portfolio, or you are busy buying and selling assets in order to arbitrage uh, a profit, which usually also costs money because the way brokers, the, the place where you buy your stocks or bonds or whatever, make money is via transaction costs. So the more you actively manage your portfolio by buying something cheap and selling it when it's high, the more money you're paying your broker for every transaction. So that's why active management in that sense, if you're actively managing your portfolio via trading, tends to also cost you money more. Also, in addition to just the monetary cost of actively managing your portfolio, uh, there's also uh, yeah time investment. If you are the one who actively manages your portfolio, then you need to do, yeah, well, research on your the different products that you want to buy. You need to stay up to date with it. Yeah, that costs time. It costs money. 
And some people just don't want to invest all that time and money into just trying to, and essentially trying to beat the stock market when the alternative is passive investing. Now, what is the benefit though of active management of your portfolio, whether you're doing it or a fund manager, uh, fund, yeah, fund manager is doing it? Well, the benefit is that you are, well, trying to beat the market, trying to beat the performance of the market. So instead of just equaling what the market has been doing the last couple of years, which is a roughly 7%, uh, you're actually trying to get higher returns for your investing investments. That tends to you know, not really be so great, if especially if you have someone actively managing your portfolio, because you usually also have to pay them. So yeah, if they can consistently beat the stock market, that's a different thing. So yeah, it it, it has turned out that uh, unfortunately many active investors don't really manage this consistently in the long run. So that is something to take into account if you do want to invest actively. On the other hand, you have passive investing. This is really long-term focused and usually involves investing in uh, what are called exchange-traded funds or ETFs. So it doesn't require almost any research or time investment whatsoever on your part. And the expected performance of a well, passive investor is on par with the market, on par with the market, which has historically been around 7% a year, 7% uh, interest per year. This is pretty good. I mean, I'm not going to lie. This is probably the best investment strategy for the majority of people as it saves time. Money isn't difficult and just requires consistency. You just you don't even need to know what's actually happening. You just need to, if you're just consistently putting money into investing every month, a steady amount, then as long as the market keeps going up by, let's say on average, 7% a year, then you will make money. Of course, there will be years when, you know, it doesn't go so great, but on average, yeah, 7%. No time or really significant costs associated with it, no knowledge required. So yeah, for the most, for the, for many uh, noob investors, this is probably the best strategy I can recommend. However, I personally fall somewhat in the middle of both of these strategies. Um, obviously, I invest for the long term again because I want to potentially retire early someday. But I do manage my own portfolio and I choose which stocks, products, or assets to invest in myself as I have the goal of yeah potentially retiring early. So I did the math on. If I just invest in an ETF at, let's say, a 7% uh, interest rate per year, I would not be able to retire early at that uh, rate by the time I'm 60, should I want to. So for me, there wasn't really much alternative. I needed to try to beat the stock market. Now, I'm not going to say I've been successful at it so far, but I'm still learning. I can still get better at it. And I, to be honest, I actually just enjoy learning about new companies, the emerging technologies, different sectors, up and coming sectors, uh, the different types of assets and which which are performing very well, uh, which aren't, uh, why aren't they doing so well. I, I'm just enjoying the entire process. And I feel like if I could just keep learning like this, eventually I will start really beating the market. And obviously... I get to do this podcast about my experience uh, making mistakes, so there's that as well. There's that added value. So with all that said, how exactly do you, dear listener, start investing? Well, as of right now, I can only tell you how I started, uh, because that's all I know. But I look forward to learning more, like what are ways to invest. 
So I do need to mention I live in the Netherlands and I use uh, my broker is called The Hero. Uh, it's an online broker. Uh, at this broker, I buy stocks, uh, ETFs mainly as well. But you can also invest in other things like commodities such as gold. Uh, you can invest in bonds as well. And what I like about using The Hero as a, my broker is that before you can start investing in anything, you first need to complete a test on that asset in order to yeah show that you understand the asset uh, very well, that you know you're competent, that you're not just gonna throw money at something and then you know lose big time. And only after passing the test can are you allowed to invest in that asset class. So I don't know if many other other specific brokers do this or if it's just the uh, the hero, but. I did like that, like it forces you to learn more uh, before making dumb, dumb mistakes, which is good. The last thing you want is for people to, you know, lose their, their livelihood and make dumb mistakes like that. In addition, like I said, I think passive investing with ETFs works great for most noob, noob investors. And what the hero offers, and they do this every month, is you can purchase an ETF of choice, whether that be, for example, the S&P 500 or the Vanguard All World uh, ETF. And maybe I should explain what exactly an ETF is. Basically, an ETF is, instead of buying one stock from, let's say, Disney or a stock of Tesla or Microsoft, you buy a goodie bag of different stocks. So in the case of the S&P 500, which is probably the one, the most famous one, it's the 500 top companies in the US. So you, when you buy an ETF of that, you buy a small percentage of each of those companies in the form of an ETF. So it's much, it's much more diversified than just investing in one company. The benefit is because it's so diversified, let's say something like COVID happens where lots of companies that are more tourism focused are going down. But tech companies go very high. They start earning way more money, like Amazon, for example. Lots of people want to buy stuff off Amazon during the COVID pandemic, so that starts earning a lot more money and does do its stock price does very well. That essentially balances out. So the ETF essentially just follows a group of companies, and if overall the economy or the overall market that it's following is doing well, then the ETF's price will also track that. And it's also much less volatile than a single individual company because it's so diversified. So when it, it usually tends to drop by like a couple of percent, like even I think with COVID, when that happened, it only dropped a couple of percent, whereas individual companies could drop by 50%, you know? So it's much less volatile in that, in that sense. It's, it has a much more narrower range because it's so dependent on hundreds if not thousands of companies in that in single etf so i think that is probably a good way to start investing uh, especially on the hero because what the hero actually offers is every month it has a specific curated list of etfs and if you buy from that list one of those etfs i think the s&p 500 is also on that list and you also have the vanguard vanguard all world etf which is 3300 plus companies are all around the world so as diversified as it gets pretty much. So if you buy one of those ETFs, then then you pay zero transaction cost that month. So you can only do this once a month like that using the hero, but zero transaction costs. And you can buy as much of it as you want. Like let's say you want to buy 1,000 of those ETFs in one go, 
uh, as long as it's the same ETF, zero transaction cost, or even one, e one of those ETFs doesn't matter. So that's really great. I don't really know if many other brokers do it like that or have something similar, but I really do enjoy that for uh, the hero at least. Side note, just to be clear, I am not sponsored by the hero. It's just the only broker I know and I have personal experience using using it. So that's why I can recommend it. it. I actually just enjoy using the hero, checking it out every now and then, learning more about it. Although just saying, if they ever did want to sponsor me or this podcast, more than comfortable to shell out, uh, just putting it out there, hero. Just putting it out there. But so basically, all you need, dear listeners, to get started with investing, at least on the Hero, is to register for, like, start an account and send them a copy of your ID. Also, you need to be at least 18 years or older. That's always good. Uh, so they can then confirm that you indeed, uh, they're Europe-based, so they can confirm that you live in Europe. And from there, you can just go through the registration procedure, like uh, fill in the username, a password, and... In my case, it took a few days uh, to get approved, but if everything is in order, you will just get approved and then you can take the test and you can get started with investing. So with that, uh, dear listeners, we have reached the episode, uh, uh, the end of episode one. I hope you found some value in this episode and thanks, thanks everyone for listening and I'll see you next time, my noobs. Peace. Peace.